Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with an album review for you guys. Another one of my favorites that I want to share with you. You know, as we're getting into the uh, Halloween-ish season, these kind of albums come to mind. Although this was not really a Halloween album for me. This actually is more of a summer album. But it really, for you guys, would go along more with the traditions of the time of the season. Um, I first heard this album, uh, I think it was my brother bought it first from a company or a store called Wax Tracks in in, in Vegas, in, <laughs> in Denver, many, many years ago. And, uh, and I really loved the album. I took to it right away, got a copy of it myself, and uh, could not stop listening to it. But it happened to be in the summertime. And uh, it was like whenever one of us would make a trip up to Denver, we would always stop at Wax Tracks and see if there was another Misfits album that we didn't have. And uh, this happened to be, I think, one of the last ones that we got. But I absolutely loved it. Of course, at the time, you know, we had no internet. We had, if there weren't liner notes, we didn't know anything about the album. There wasn't really a lot of places we could research. And so uh, as far as I knew, this was just a regular studio album. It turns out it really wasn't. It was a collection of songs. And even with that, from my understanding, what happened is before it was released. So this album um, was written over a long period of time, over several years. um, But the actual album wasn't released until September of 85. And at that point, before the release, uh, it is believed that Glenn Danzig actually went in and overdubbed some of the bass and guitar tracks. So, uh, you know, there's track listings of who played on what, but you know, do we really know that? You never really know. So I'm not going to get into all that, uh, who did what, um, but I will say that it's a it's a very impressive album. It's very much on par with the rest of their stuff. But, you know, there's something that I think in the way that they mixed and mastered it, even though they're from different time periods, it does seem like a fairly consistent album mix-wise, which I really like, but it does kind of have its own unique flavor. There's something just about maybe the mastering EQ that they used, but it it definitely kind of uh, stands on its own in the terms of sound, but is a is a great album nonetheless, and it's one of my favorites. So we're going to get into that. Like I said, it came out in 1985. A lot of these albums for a long time were out of print, and I did find that you can get the album now on Amazon and iTunes. I've got the link in the show notes, and um, it's it's really cool. You can just download it, and there it is. I thought there was something weird about the box set. And I think it was the way the tracks were numbered. There was something strange about it. Um, but as I pulled the, the tracks out of the box set to put them in order to do the review, um, actually everything just lined up really perfectly. So I don't know if I had changed them. Maybe I updated them in the system at some point, or maybe I just misremembered or it was something else I'm thinking of. But in any case, um, yeah, it's a great album and we're going to get into it. The first song, off of the album is called Static Age. They were they had started to get into this thing that really kind of um, continued on with Samhain, where uh, they would just have these like weird sound intros, and uh, I like it because it's brief. It's like if you if you like something and it's brief, that's cool. If you like something and it's long, that's cool. But if you don't like something, it's like oh god, would you just get to the song? And uh, this is just like a really quick little, just a tone setter, really more than anything else. Uh, but sometimes when bands do like really long intros and you don't like it, it just feels like it goes on for absolute ever. So uh, I like this intro. I like that it's uh, nice and short. And then they, they um, you know, just go into the song. So we're going to hear the beginning of that. But I will say, you know, for 1985, 
Um, thinking about the kind of things that were going on musically, I mean, we're, we're starting to deal with, you know, towards the end of the British New Wave invasion. And punk really, I, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to punk during those years. I think other than The Clash, maybe even the Ramones, I wasn't really into the Ramones, so uh, I can't really count them. But just as far as like maybe the general public, I would say the Ramones and the Clash were probably more the definitive idea of what punk was at that time, because most things were about synthesizers and just having fun and really weird haircuts and and whatever. But uh, this album still, you know, regardless of when it came out, it still stands up today. We're talking, what, 30, <laughs> 36 years later, uh, and I still love it. Of course, I didn't hear it when it first came out. I didn't hear it until sometime... It was like the early, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there. And so it was already, you know, quite established by then. But, uh, you know, for me, it was it was a fresh new sound. And there's some really cool things on there. They're really kind of different from a lot of the other songs that they released. This isn't one of those albums where everything is just da 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 You know, it has a, a little slower tempo to most of the songs and, um, you know, a lot more, I think, thought put into them other than just, hey, I wrote a song, hey, I wrote a song, hey, I wrote a song, which when you're doing a lot of the other songs that just seem, they're not the same, but they have like a similar, okay, uh, a similar rhythm to them, a similar melody, a similar beat. Um, it's more like they're doing variations on a theme than uh, than actually writing different songs. But this album really feels like they're different songs. And I really like that. I, that's, to me, is why it stands out on its own so much, as well as the, the sound quality. So let's check out Static Age. Well, this is really interesting because on the album version, there was a little bit of uh, like radio interference fading in that led into the start of the song. On the box set version, it just starts in. I didn't realize that difference until just now. Um, So maybe that's one of the things I was thinking of when I thought the track numbers were off. I knew there was something weird or different about it. I just couldn't remember what it was. So there you have it. So that intro that I teased isn't even there. Sorry about that. But it just kicks right in. So I like the song. It does have that da, 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 da feel to it, which a lot of their songs do, but it's a slower tempo. You know, there's a little bit more going on sonically. There's a couple of sort of scratchy, almost screechy guitars that you can hear in the background. Um, it's, it's a little bit different. It has a different feel and a different flavor than the stuff that is on the other albums. And I like it. I like the fact that they can do some slower songs and still have them be really cool. Um, I don't know how many tracks Glenn does of his voice, but it sounds like there's at least two or he's using some kind of doubler uh, that could be done in the studio very simply. But in any case, uh, his voice sounds really good on this. Um, it actually does on the whole album, to be fair. But it's it's a cool song. It's, you know, with the punk band, you would think that the opener is going to be like a thousand miles an hour, that it's going to be hard hitting and edgy 
And this actually just really sets a completely different tone for this album. Again, another reason why it feels set apart from the others. Now, most of the others are collections, actually, um, but they're listed as collections. So, uh, you know, it's it's weird to think of a band that had more, you know, in the way of collections or just groupings of songs than actual, we're going to go into the studio and cut an album. And the box that has some really nice alternative versions of some songs, I don't think there's too many alternative versions of these songs. I think she has one or two. Um, I want to say Angel Fuck Might, I can't remember. But I think those are, that's really it. I don't think there was a lot of bonus material from this particular time. Maybe Halloween does. I think Halloween has a couple of different versions. And I know Samhain had done a version of, it was either Halloween or Halloween 2. It might have been Halloween 2. I'll find out when I get to it because I'll remember by the lyrics. But in any case, um, yeah, it's a cool song. It just kicks in with a, a nice groove, sets a nice tempo, just a different tone for the album. It feels almost like we're slowing it down for Halloween to me. And that's probably just a completely perceived notion on my part. But for some reason, that's the impression I get out of it. So, but it's a good song and it's uh, and it sets a good tone for what comes next, which is the song TV Casualty. And uh, this is another song that just kind of has a little bit slower of a tempo, but it has a very similar feel to Static Age. So let's check that one out. I really like the bass uh, on this it, and it's pretty much a typical punk riff, honestly, but it's just da 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 It just has a really cool groove to it. I really like it. That's really my favorite part of the song. I think the lyrics are a lot of fun, um, but uh, for the most part, it's just a, a, another good mid-tempo song, which again is just so contrast to most of the stuff that we know from them. But one thing that I, I really like about it too is the drum sound on this album, I have to say. I don't know exactly what it is about it. It just feels kind of raw, which seems so right for this style of music. You know, this music should not be, hey, we went into a million dollar recording studio. Everything, everything sounds perfect and pristine. Anything that didn't, we cleaned it up in post. Like this kind of music should not be that way. It should be raw. It should be honest. It should be, you know, we did a couple of takes of it. This one's better than the other one. That's what we're using. Um, to me, that that really defines punk, you know, um, not polished, not expert, but it, it needs to be at least clean enough to where we can understand what's going on. We understand the lyrics. We can hear what the instruments are doing. And I think they did a pretty good job of that. I could use maybe just a little bit more vocals just to have a little bit more definitive um, sound in the lyrics. But apart from that, I think it's mixed pretty well. And, it, and what I would expect for punk. Now, it's kind of like you know, uh, I hate to say it, it's kind of like new age music in the way that you can get away with a lot as far as a mix goes. You know, with new age music, you can just, you, if you mix a sound too quietly, you can just say, oh, I just wanted that for ambience. You know, I didn't mean for that to be a forward solo instrument and, uh, and, and kind of get away with it. And punk's kind of the same way. Like you can get away with a lot in, in mixing punk. But as long as you can hear what the lyrics are and as long as you can hear 
Um, and, and let me give you a caveat on the lyrics, to the best of your ability, because on the faster songs, sometimes you just can't understand them because they're too fast, or you think you hear something and that gets stuck in your head and whatever they really are is just lost forever. So keeping that in mind, um, the lyrics being you know as clear as they can be for you to have the best chance of understanding what they are. Uh, the other part to it would be obviously the same with the instruments. You need to be able to hear all the instruments and understand what they're doing to be able to really appreciate the song. And I think this comes close enough to that to be able to do it. You know, you have a lot of variance on what you can do with punk music um, just by nature of it. You know, I, I can't imagine punk being polished and refined sounding good. It just doesn't it just doesn't work for me. You know, it's like ketchup and applesauce. Those two things just don't really go together. Unless they do for you, if you're a fan of ketchup and applesauce, I mean, no offense, enjoy what you enjoy. But most people probably, I would think that's not a combination that they would generally crave. You know, sometimes things end up on the plate together, you get through it, that's okay. But I don't think there's too many people that would say, I'm going to have some applesauce, I really need some ketchup with that. So uh, that being said, <laughs> a completely random tangent. Let's get into song number three. One of my absolute favorites from this band is called Hybrid Moments. I can honestly say that in the summer of 89, this song got a ton of play in my car. I probably wore at least one tape out, uh, you know, to the point where it just got so warbly, I had to re-record the album onto another tape to play in the car. Um, it's a great song. There's, there's a definite blues feel to Glenn's vocals in a lot of Misfit songs, but I think it really shines through on this one in particular. I mean, you could tell if he had wanted to be like a blues singer or or something along those lines, I think he could have had a really good career. It might not have interested in him, which is very possible, but just from a, a sonic quality, I think he could have done it. I mean, I know he listened to singers like Elvis, and you could tell that in his voice. But I think it sounds really good on this song, especially. Definitely one of my favorites. I love that the songs are kind of compact enough to where I can give you 30 seconds and you can get the entire gist of most of these songs. But at the same point, the one thing I don't like about this song is that it's only a minute and 40 seconds. I really want more. I want another verse. I want a solo. I want more to this song because it's one I really enjoy and it just goes really fast. And the, the song that follows with Spinal Remains is only a minute and 24. And that's another one of my favorites. Like I would listen to Hybrid Moments and then Spinal Remains and then rewind and then try and find out where it started on the tape. And then once I found it, I would listen to them both again. And maybe again, before I continued on, just depending on, you know, how long my drive was. But it's a it's one of my favorites. It's a great song. It has such a good mood to it. Uh, love the guitar sound on it. Um, it's just a really powerful one for me. So I don't know. What do you guys think? This one is Spinal Remains. Oh, 
I'll be damned if I can figure out what the hell this song is even about, but I love it. I really do. I think Glenn's voice is really exciting on this. I think there's a lot of dynamics to it that are really cool. Love the guitar sound. This one, as opposed to Hybrid Moments, is a lot heavier on the bass side. Um, Really has a a really good low-end edge. It's just a great song overall. And I like that uh, the drummer chose to play it on the ride cymbal. You know, instead of uh, the hi-hat, because the hi-hat with this these kind of guitars, a lot of times can just muddy up the waters a little bit. So it's nice to have the uh, cymbal cut through, not have the hi-hats burying everything or, or blending in too much with everything else. So it's uh, just a really cool song. I really dig it. And like I said, it's one that, you know, as soon as I was done with uh, with uh, Spinal Remains, I would go back and listen to Hybrid Moments and Spinal Remains again. Sometimes that was my whole trip. Like I literally would just listen to those two songs. And um, yeah, two of my favorites by The Misfits for sure. So that brings us to track number five, which is a little bit longer. This is actually a five minute song, which is pretty rare for them. But again, this is kind of a different type of album, um, kind of a mid-tempo song. And this one is called Come Back. that this song is so much longer than many of their other songs it it almost feels like a like an epic novel in comparison uh but it keeps my interest the parts are interesting the sound is interesting they have uh, a few different changes during the song a lot of emotion in the vocals come the last verse just so much power and grit coming from glenn really makes it fascinating and worth the journey because if you you know, if it, if it feels like it's a long, drawn-out song, there's got to be some kind of payoff. And, and the vocals in the last um, uh, verse and chorus really do pay off this song if you're, if you're kind of on the fence about it. But for me, it's a great song. Um, it's a fun one to sing along to. It's easy to follow. The guitars sound amazing. There's some really good control with the intensity of the uh, the performance on guitars throughout the song. And, you know, it doesn't just sound like it's one note being hit over and over. It seems like there's a little bit of variation in there, and that could be coming from the bass. The bass might be playing something a little bit differently. The way it's blended, it's hard for me to tell. But it's definitely an interesting song from both a music and a vocal perspective. And it's, it's another one that I really enjoy. Um, I just like the other two so much, I would keep rewinding them. But once I was like, okay, I've heard enough of those and we get to come back. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm I'm definitely ready to hear this song now because it's one that I really do enjoy. And it really goes to show the versatility that the band had that you didn't really get to see during a lot of that time because they were not a one trick pony so much, but they, they had a very definitive sound. And there were certain things that you would just come to expect from their music. And this is such a departure from that, that it really shows what they could have done as a band had they chosen to go in more of a uh, a songwriter direction as opposed to a performance direction. This next song is called Some Kind of Hate. Good. One, two, three, 
I would say that of all the Misfit songs, this is probably my least favorite. It's a song that I just never got into. I don't know exactly what it was. It's one of the few that has kind of a pseudo guitar solo in it, but I don't know. It just never really gripped me. There's a couple of cool parts in it. Um, I like the, the vocal delivery on it. But yeah, I don't know if it's just maybe too happy feeling for them or for what they they go for in general. But yeah, I just unfortunately just never was one that um, I particularly cared for. So I didn't really listen to it a whole lot. Um, giving it another listen today is kind of nice, but I think more on the nostalgic side than the actual liking the song side of things. But uh, I don't want to discourage anyone else. Uh, it, it may be a great song for a lot of other people. So I would say have an open mind, check it out and make your decision for yourself. And really, when you're listening to these reviews or reading uh, maybe reviews in the on the Internet or, you know, a YouTube review or whatever, honestly, everything you should do that with, because it's all just one person's opinion or a collective opinion if it's a group review. And whether anyone else in the world likes something or not has really no bearing on whether you would or you wouldn't, unless you're one of those people that is kind of like, well, you know, nobody else likes it, so I probably won't like it either. You know what? You never know. Experience all the things that you can because you never know what you're going to find joy in. Speaking of joy, our next song is called Theme for a Jackal. You know, it's interesting. I never really noticed this. I just looked at the time on the song and it's two minutes and 38 seconds. And while that's almost like a, an epic tale for this band, uh, it really does feel like it's a lot longer of a song. There's some really cool things about it. Like there's a, an extra guitar track in there that's just playing, you know, these sounds that don't really go along with the rhythm, but it's just adding this thickness and darkness to the song that I think is really cool. But in general, um, the song, again, is not one of my favorites. It just, it's just kind of a story that's like, well, we needed something else to put on the album. So let's, let's go ahead and use that track. It doesn't really feel one that's particularly passionate. There's some cool stuff in it. But for me, it's, it's one that I would say would be uh, lower on my scale of songs I would be likely to listen to again. In fact, uh, once I did get it on CD, because originally I had it on vinyl. And like I said, I was dubbing it to cassette to listen to in the car. But once I had it on CD, I would typically skip this song, you know, every once in a while, maybe every 10 plays or whatever, I would listen to it. And about halfway through, I'd be just like, all right, next. You know, it just wasn't a song that gripped me personally, but it is a good song. It has a lot of cool inflections and things in there. There is a couple of nice, really powerful points in the vocals that are worth giving it a spin. So check it out again, you know, check all the songs out for yourself at full length if you like these little clips and you know, it, it interests you, then I would say go for a listen to the whole song because there's pl probably plenty of people that like it. Um, it's just a lesser song for me personally. Now, this next song that we have coming up is one that is a little more popular. It appeared on one of the collections and it is called Angel Fuck. <laughs>
best I can figure, this song is about a prostitute. I could be wrong. It may not be, but best I can figure. It could also be about a movie character. That was a pretty big theme for them was they did a lot of songs about movies. Um, so uh, very possible. But in any case, it's a good song. I really like that there's a lot less uh, hi-hat and ride in this one, that there's more floor tom instead. Uh, I think that adds a little bit of an edge and a little bit more power to the song. Um, it definitely separates, though, when when the you know the chorus comes, or what would be the chorus, I guess, comes up. And he switches to to symbols from the floor tom, but it's a it's a good song. Um, I can understand why this one was really popular. It's it's a short song. Again, we're looking at you know a minute and thirty six seconds on this one. But for some reason, with this one, I'm pretty content. Like I think it's a good song. I really enjoy it. But it being as short as it is, I think it's just kind of perfect that way. And um, it's uh, it's a, a you know one that I could see why people get into because I certainly did. It's one that I've always liked. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if Angel Fuck was an opener on another one. I know she was, uh, but I'm not sure if Angel Fuck was. It seems like it, it might have been on one of the collections, but I could be wrong. Uh, but in any case, yeah, definitely a fan favorite. Uh, one I enjoy very much and one you might enjoy as well. And why I had to mark this podcast as explicit. <laughs> Just it gave one too many fucks, I guess. But in any case, I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. Check out the full song. It's not much longer than what I played here. I basically played half the song for you uh, just by virtue of the uh, the lack of longevity of it. Now, uh, this next song is another one that I knew from the collection that we got first was, I think it was the first collection. It was the one with the yellow close-up uh, Crimson Ghost face on it. Or maybe it was slightly greenish. I'm not sure. It looked like a highlighter color, basically. Uh, but this song is called Who Killed Marilyn? So this, along with the song Bullet, um, very controversial songs, um, you know, whenever I've looked them up, there's a lot of interpretations about what they mean. To me, it's actually pretty straightforward, and maybe there's something in it that I'm not seeing, but it seems like the lyrics really lead you to believe that their opinion is that it was a murder that was made to seem to look like a suicide, which is a pretty common theory when it comes to Marilyn Monroe. Um, there's a lot of theories about what happened to her, who did it, and um, whether it was suicide or not. So uh, in any case, uh, there's there's plenty of material, if that's a topic that interests you, that you can dig into. But, you know, uh, there's so much speculation and so much of it is displayed as if it's presented as factual evidence when it's really speculation. So, you know, I would say if it's something that you're going to research, keep an open mind, but be aware of how things are worded, what the perspectives are, what the proof versus, versus, proof versus commentary is. I think that's very key whenever you're digging into any of these stories uh, where we don't really have a definitive, there's no doubt about how it came about kind of answer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good song. It's got a real uh, good flow to it, I think. 
this uh, it's a little again a little bit slower tempo than what we're used to from them, but it fits in really well, I think, with the other songs. Great guitar sound on this one, uh, great bass, and uh, it's it's another one that I really enjoyed. Another one that was really popular with them, and I think part of the popularity comes from the controversy of the the subject. But at the same point, just musically, vocally, it's also just a great song, and uh, I could see why they put it on this collection. The next song we have up is another one that's uh, pretty well known. Uh, again, came from that uh, other collection that we had, and it is called Where Eagles Dare. I believe this song was inspired by the movie Where Eagles Dare, as a lot of their songs were. Of course, most of them are more horror movies, and I think this is more of an action-adventure movie, so it may not be correct. It, it may not be inspired by it at all. But it is a cool song. Um, there's a lot of uh, just great guitar playing on here. It does feel, in, in really in a lot of the Misfit songs, it does feel like there's a little variance in tempo. I mean, none of this stuff was done to a click track. It was very much just record what we 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 capture what we capture you know and that's cool because again for punk it's really the only place you can get away with it and it seems legitimate you know like we're too cool for tempo you know um but in any case it it does have a little fluctuation in it uh, to my ears but it's a really cool song it's got a really powerful chorus um the uh the favorite line in this has always been the omelet of disease awaits your noontime meal I, the first time I heard that, I was like, that is probably the most badass line I've heard in a song in a long time, if not ever. Uh, so that's that's a go to line for me. But uh, yeah, in general, it's a really cool song. It's It's got just a nice flow to it, a really nice pace. I think the tempo is actually really perfect for it. I think any faster and it would have gotten lost a little bit. Don't really understand the chorus, but that's OK. You know, I, I'm not a huge lyric guy anyway. So I'm fine not really digging into what it's actually about. It just has a good sound. And if I listen to the vocals as an instrument, I would say it's it's a, a very passionate instrument in this song. Um, lots of power, lots of grit. Just has a really good, good song uh, feel to it. Now, uh, rounding out the last three songs on the album, they're all very short. So you're going to hear about half of each of the songs. So plenty enough to determine whether you actually like it or not. This one is called She, and I remember in the box set, there was a second version, an early version of the song that actually had uh, a keyboard on it. And it sounded, you know, listening to this song in its final form, it sounded a little bit cheesy to me, but it was just like a little glimpse of insight into how their songs came to be. Like, here's an idea. I've, I've sketched it out. What do you guys think? Let's let's turn it into a song. And then they turn it into this, which was, I believe, the first song on that collection that we had.
never really looked into the meaning of this song, but I always thought it was about Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde fame. Just my assumption could be way off the mark, but it's always seemed to me that that would be a, a good fit for what the, inspired the song. Uh, but it's a really cool song, as short as it is. It's got uh, you know a good middle section, uh, great rhythm to it. You can you can tell, especially on this one, that that this is a collection and more than um, like, hey, we we just recorded a bunch of songs, we pick these for the album because the drums are are completely different sounding. It's a completely different mix. The guitars are much heavier, uh, a little thicker on the low end side, but it is it is a cool song. The organ version actually was a lot faster. And um, I think this is this is the right tempo. I'm glad they slowed it down in, when they did the final version of it, because I think it, the song works much better that way. But uh, it was kind of neat hearing it with the organ. If you have the box set or it's probably out there somewhere on the Internet, you can check out like just Google, um, you know, Misfits, She Organ or something like that. Um, of course, God knows what kind of results you're going to get with that search. You just never know. But uh, but it, you might find it. Uh, but it's it's really cool. It's a cool song. It was one of the first that I had experienced from them. Of course, found the Misfits really through Metallica doing um, "Last Caress" and "Green Hell" as a cover on that Garage Days re revisited EP. And uh, from that point, we were like, "Wow, who are these guys? These songs are really good. I want to you know I want to hear the original versions." And could not find any Misfits because it was all, uh, you know, kind of underground. They didn't make a lot of quantities because they made their albums themselves. I don't know how they did that. I mean, you know how you can dub cassettes and you can, you know, go to a printer and have the inserts made up and you just cut them out yourself and fold them and whatever. But they actually pressed their own records. And, and I have no idea how you do that, where you get the material what the process is, but that's what they used to do. And they had a lot of special editions for their fan club, different colored vinyls, um, you know, different mixes and things that they did. They, they actually had a pretty good thing going as far as working with their fans. And, and that probably helped gain a lot of popularity and, um, you know, get, get their fans out to shows, let them know when they were coming to town, that sort of thing. But uh, in fact, you know, I kind of miss the days of having like an actual fan club for bands and stuff. I mean, yeah, you can you can link to their Facebook page or their website or whatever, but it's just not the same because they would send you stickers and, you know, little cool things. You'd get the album before other people. It, it was such a, a a personal experience. You kind of felt like you were friends with the band. And now it's just like, yeah, I'm on their mailing list. It doesn't have that same connection to me. You know, so I, I kind of miss the days of stuff like this. And there are some people out there. I know there's authors that do it. And there's some bands that that do that, too. And and I know I'm terrible about my mailing list and, and stuff. I can't remember when the last time was I sent out an email blast. But I, I really loved how hard they worked to find cool things to give their fans, whether it be like a sticker of the Crimson Ghost or a pin or, you know, maybe the pin had the album cover on it, whatever it was. I think there was a comic book at some point, I want to say, but it's it's really cool that they went and did like whatever they could think of and whatever they could afford to give stuff to their fans because, you know, they could have just been like most bands or just been in punk. Like, you know what, we're, they'll show up like if we just care about the people that care about us and not done anything. So to have gone to that length, I think, is just a super cool thing that they did. And um 
yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. So <laughs> uh, the next song, uh, the next to the last song, I should say, is called Halloween. Okay, I said I would get into this after I played the clip. So the version that Samhain did that they remade was actually Halloween 2. And I remember that because it was all incantations and stuff. Um, really different uh, version of, of, uh, of the song. Um, but this one's really cool. It's just like Halloween memories, you know, kind of driving down the street and seeing all the the pumpkins on the porches and stuff like that. Uh, it really kind of brings in that visual of your own experiences, thinking as a child, how exciting Halloween was. And, and even for a lot of adults, that's a huge thing here in Vegas. They do a- amazing costume contests and stuff like that. I mean, people spend thousands of dollars on their, uh, their costume to, uh, to win these contests. And, um, it's, it's really an amazing thing. Like walking, like I usually avoid going out on holidays except for Halloween and Halloween is actually uh, Nevada day here. So it's a, it's a kind of a double holiday for us. But uh, it's great because people are just, you know, I mean, you see people in costumes and weird things all the time here year around, regardless. But uh, Halloween is an incredibly special time here in in Vegas, as it is in so many places. The one thing I miss is that we don't have the uh, the autumn feel to fall. You know, we can uh, simulate it as much as we want, but but sometimes it's like really warm out on Halloween. We don't have that smell of wet leaves that are, are uh, you know, all the multicolored leaves on the ground. It, it just doesn't exist in this part of the country. So that's one thing that I do miss. But hearing a song like this, where it kind of takes you into that childhood moment of what Halloween was like or or the, the things that he fancies about Halloween. Now, I don't really remember burning bodies and things like that hanging around. We didn't have that so much, but... You know, it just kind of brings you back to those moments, or at least it does for me. And I think that's one of the things I really like about the song. But also it's just, you know, your passion for the holiday and uh, and, and how much he enjoys it and the things he remembers. It's just, you know, a great song of uh, sharing sort of nostalgia. So it's definitely one that I've always liked. And, uh, and it's got a really fast paced, you know, guitar picking to it, uh, a good strong beat behind it. And um, a little bit of reverb on the snare, a little bit more, I think, than some of the other songs, if if just depending on how it's blended, because sometimes the way it's blended, you can maybe not hear the reverb on a certain instrument. You hear more of a collective song reverb. But on this one, there's definitely more reverb on the snare because the snare really stands out. But yeah, it, it sounds good. It's a pretty good mix of the song. I could use just a little bit more kick drum to drive it. But apart from that, yeah, definitely a winner and one that I've enjoyed listening to many, many times over the vast number of years since I had uh, had it come into my peripheral or my ears, I should say. My What would be peripheral vision for your ears? I don't know, but whatever it is, that. So let's round this up with our last song on the album, one of my favorites that I sadly 
really didn't get to know for a long time because I was so busy listening to Hybrid Moments and Spinal Remains that I actually very rarely made it to the end of the album. Once I did, I was like, why did I not listen to this song more? It's really good. One of my faves. So here it is, American Nightmare. So it's a little more bluesy, a little more rockabilly. Would that be the right term? Maybe rockabilly. But in any case, uh, it's a it's a great vocal. It it's kind of um, filled with, you know, when when is this going to end? Kind of feel to it. But it's a really cool song. Love that little opener, that sound. I'm not sure what that is, but I really like that. And then, um, you know, the, the drums are great on it. He's actually playing. Sounds to me like he's playing the bass drum also on the snare as as well as the other beat where you would normally hear the bass drum so he just keeps playing whether there's a snare or not and a lot of times that's that's pretty rare uh most songs are kick and then snare alone but this is kick and then kick snare so it adds you know a little bit of thickness to the song and it, and it kind of drives it a little bit i think um but the fills are, are nice i really like them they're actually pretty interesting when you sit down and, and hear what he's really playing and uh, it's just got a good beat. The guitars sound fantastic on this one. I love the blend of it. Um, just that, you know, strumming the the particular chords that they pick. It sounds really good. Uh, I just love the feel of the song overall. It's a fun one to sing and uh, and a fun one to just listen to. So it's a great ending to the album. Definitely leaves me wanting more, which is really how you want to end an album. You know, you don't want to just end the album and people are like, OK, yeah, that was good. I was I enjoyed that. What's next? You want him to go, I want more of this band. That's always the goal. You know, I want more of this band, more of this artist, whatever it is. And um, I think they nailed it on this album. So definitely a, a great album for me. One I'm really uh, happy to share with you guys if you're not familiar with it. And even if you are and you haven't heard it in a while, give it a spin, especially as the holiday, Halloween holiday season approaches. I'm not sure exactly when this episode airs. It tends with the reviews that a lot of times I'll schedule the review episodes and I'll be like, okay, well, this will be like two weeks before Halloween. So I can kind of put that in there. But as I'm recording this now, I'm thinking about all the um, actual interviews that I'm in the process of lining up. So I don't know if this one will get pushed off to another week or when it'll air. So if it airs after Halloween, um, listen to this again next Halloween. And if it airs before Halloween, then you're kind of in the time frame that I had initially intended it. So uh, that's it for the review. Quick notes on what's going on with me. And I'm recording this like a couple weeks ahead of when I expected to air. So um, I have, uh, re- I should by now have released the first single to my new album, The Forgotten Puppet Show. Working on the album as I have time, a lot of other projects have come up. And of course, busy with this podcast and Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast, because uh, I do four shows of that a week. 
So uh, it's it's finding balance to do uh, all the things that I want to do. And these albums are really more passion projects for me than like, you know, anticipated commercial releases. So I just kind of pick away on them as I can. Uh, I really like the idea of doing two a year. I try for like August and January or February for them to be released. But, you know, uh, again, without like the backing and all that, they're really more passion projects for me. So uh, I just get them out when I can. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this review. If you're not a fan of the Misfits, maybe you are now. Maybe you have some insight that you didn't have before and are like, I wonder what else these guys have done. Check it out because I think they were a great band. Uh, I did not, I, I have not heard any of their newer stuff. I hate to be one of those people that is like, well, you know, if they don't have the original band, it's not the same. But the fact is, is that the band to me, for the most part, really was Glenn. I mean, he did most of the writing. He was in control of most of the things. So it's just, to me, it's, it's almost like uh, when I went to see the Moody Blues, they were billed as John Lodge in the Moody Blues. And it was a completely different experience than what I would have expected. I mean, the vocals weren't the same. The They didn't even do uh, songs that I knew. They didn't do Nights in White Satin. They didn't do um, Tuesday Afternoon, which are a couple of, I mean, their biggest hits. So it was a really weird thing. It's like, it's it's kind of a shadow of the band. So in a case like this, I have to say, I, I'm not as excited to check them out. I will at some point, but up to this point, I, I have not. And again, I hate to be one of those like, you know, well, so-and-so is not in the band, so they're not the same, but it's different when you change out the primary driving force as opposed to just the guitar player or just the singer or just the drummer or something like that. I think this is more of a really changing out the entire band sort of situation. So in any case, uh, it's it's a great album. It's an interesting collection. Um, I like that it was kind of like the stuff that didn't really necessarily fit on some of the other albums that they put in this collection, then with a couple of uh, more known tunes as well. Uh, the cover is really cool. The Crimson Ghost, uh, you see it everywhere. You know, it's, it's, I don't know if everyone that has a Crimson Ghost shirt knows where it came from. I think it actually originally came from a movie. But uh, because a lot of the shirts don't say the Misfits on them, it's just the Crimson Ghost. So I wonder how many people that have that shirt know that it's associated with this band. I really don't know. I'm not taking a poll or anything like that. Uh, but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the review. I hope that you have a great day. If it's the if you're listening to this in the release time or within the release time, uh, it's probably the, around the middle of the week for you. So I hope that you guys are having a great week heading into an even better weekend. And if you're listening to this whenever else you are, I hope you're having a great day headed to a better day tomorrow. You guys take care. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.